Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Lucy Hickmott. It's Monday the 28th of October. Coming up, man guilty of murdering missing former partner. If there's one thing I can ask him now is do it for your children. Tell us where their mum is. Let us find Sarah. Brexit extension agreed by EU. It's very frustrating because we don't want an extension. We didn't want an extension. The Prime Minister made it clear the government didn't want an extension. What we wanted was to get a deal through Parliament. And Operation Brock activated on M20. I'm sure the people who use the M20 every day will see this with some confusion. If we're not leaving, why does it have to go in straight away? Kent Online News. The former partner of a mum of five from Kent who's been missing for more than a year has been found guilty of her murder. 46-year-old Sarah Wellgreen was last seen at her home in Basie Shore in New Ash Green last October. It took the jury just a few hours to convict 39-year-old Ben Lacomba following a four-week trial at Maidstone Crown Court. Detective Chief Inspector Ivan Beasley led the investigation. Sarah went missing overnight from the 9th into the 10th of October last year. She was reported missing to the police a couple of days later into the 11th and from that moment the police dealt with the investigation as a missing person. We were very concerned because of the nature of how Sarah had gone missing um, but it was a missing person investigation. Over the next three days working with Ben Lacomba and the family and friends to understand what might have happened to Sarah, I started to become suspicious of the accounts that Lacomba was giving, which didn't always add up to what other people were saying, and his behaviour, the way he was presenting, especially on the day of their son's birthday and Sarah still being missing. I appreciate that people act in different ways but it was a concern to me. Then you add on the fact that he disposed of his mobile phone. And that's a key piece of behaviour, very strange behaviour, for somebody that says he's done nothing wrong, has nothing to hide, and knows nothing of what happened. And it was at that point, on the 16th of October, I declared him a suspect in Sarah's murder, and he was arrested. This was an incredibly challenging investigation, mainly because we haven't found Sarah. In a traditional murder investigation, we would have a victim and their body. And a pathologist will be able to examine the body and be able to say in evidence that that person is dead and how they've died. We didn't have that evidence to give in this case, and that was a huge challenge. It's very rare. But what we had to show was from the circumstances of Sarah's life, how she was in herself, what she left behind, which was really important, the plans that she'd made for the future, and the fact that since that time, even now, over a year later, we found no physical footprint, financial footprint, digital footprint of Sarah being anywhere. So we were able to show the jury that with all that information and evidence, they can be sure that Sarah is no longer alive. But it was a big challenge. Uh, the fact this is a no-body murder, as we describe it, uh, has challenges in, in the fact that we don't have a body. 
we also didn't have any witnesses to what happened to the murder itself. We can't be 100% sure where that murder took place, although we believe it was at the home address, but we don't know where and how. So there's lots and lots of unknowns we've had to work with. We were able to show through a huge amount of effort, not only from police, but from partners, from the help with the community, from the appeal that we put out for CCTV, from people helping us search, from experts advising us around uh, forensic opportunities. We were able to capture evidence to get a very good idea of what we believed happened after Sarah Woodis was killed. So from all of those hours of CCTV, we could show that his car was on the move that night when he says he was at home in bed. We were able to show that he turned his own CCTV off that night. We were able to show that he threw his phone in the river a few days later. And lots of other evidence that we could build a big picture up to show the jury, but although we don't know how Sarah was killed and we don't know where her body is, you can be sure that she has been killed and this is the behavior of the person that's done it. And that was enough to convince the jury that he was responsible for her murder. One of the early suspicions I had of him was when we were uh, speaking with him as a person that was reporting Sarah missing, was that he didn't seem that bothered. Now I appreciate their relationship had ended, but this was on the day of their son's birthday. He, he didn't appear to have any concern. As time went on, that behaviour continued and he was acting in a way that I believed that he knew she was never going to come back. Some comments that he was making. An example being, he went to the family court to try and get an urgent hearing to gain custody of his children. What was the urgency around that if you yourself never thought she would be walking back through that door again? Now when we had him in custody, over many days, for many hours, we interviewed him. In fact, we interviewed him for around 10 hours over a number of days. And every single question we asked him, he remained silent, absolutely silent. And for somebody that had nothing to hide, somebody that said he was in bed asleep, somebody that may have some concern for the mother of his own children, why did he remain silent? Of course, he has every right to remain silent. But again, that behaviour seemed very strange to us. In my role, my absolute objective is to get justice for Sarah. And uh, we, we've achieved that. Lacomba has been found guilty. He's responsible for Sarah's murder and concealing Sarah's body. And that is what we aim to achieve number one but number two we still haven't found Sarah and that is a massive gap in this investigation not only for my team who really feel it that we haven't found Sarah but even more so for Sarah's family and friends there are children out there who've lost their mother don't know where she is there is other family members who've lost their daughter lost their sister wider friends that have lost Sarah and they want to know where she is. There's only one person that can tell us he's decided not to. Certainly up until this point, he's decided not to. And if there's one thing I can ask him now is, do it for your children, tell us where their mum is, let us find Sarah.
We've been searching for Sarah for over a year now. From the moment that she was reported missing, we've been looking for her. We have used significant resources from our own police force. We've also had help from other forces. We've had help from the Fire and Rescue Service, from the Kent Search and Rescue Teams. We've had a huge amount of help and support searching by the community living in and around New Ash Green. We've had experts, scientists helping us to try and understand where she might be and to help us find where Sarah is. That search continues. We have so much area where she may be to consider and so much more area to search that it will continue. A huge thank you on behalf of Sarah and her family and from me to all those people that have helped and are continuing to help because as I said earlier on we still haven't found Sarah and that's a big gap in our investigation. Lacomba will be sentenced at a later date. Kent Online reports. In other news today, the EU has agreed to delay Brexit until the end of January at the latest. The European Council president says the bloc will allow a so-called flextension, meaning the UK can leave before the deadline if a deal is approved by Parliament. It's expected to be formalised this week. Meantime, MPs are due to vote on whether they want to have a general election on the 12th of December. Sitting and Sheppey's Gordon Henderson has been telling Ish why he's backing the Prime Minister's idea. Well, I think that uh, we have a Parliament currently that's paralysed. It, it's it's, You've heard it called a zombie para, uh, Parliament, and it is. Uh, we're, we're not alive, we're, we're sleepwalking, uh, and I think we're sleepwalking towards a disaster. So uh, what, the only way we're going to change that is by having a general election, uh, which will... Uh, clear out some of the, what I believe is deadwood we've got in, in Parliament and actually uh, have a, a fresh uh, Parliament with fresh members of Parliament who can actually deliver what uh, 17.4 million people voted for three and a half years ago, which is um, to leave the EU. It is the only way to, to actually break the deadlock because it's quite clear, it's quite obvious uh, that there is a majority of Remain-supporting members of parliament who are determined to block Brexit uh, and that's the bottom line basically. Do you agree with the Prime Minister when he says the opposition is wasting time? Yes they are wasting time because he gave them, he's given them a perfectly reasonable um, opportunity now by saying that uh, quite ridiculously they uh, said they wanted longer to debate uh, the, uh, the bill, the withdrawal agreement bill um, bearing in mind that that withdrawal agreement uh, bill uh, reflects the agreement that Theresa May um, uh, delivered a year ago, pretty well, almost to the day, uh, and we have had uh, that whole year to read and understand what was in that uh, that that uh, agreement. Um, there are changes. The changes relate to the Northern Ireland uh, backstop. Um, so the only part that we need to properly scrutinise is that part of it uh, and to believe that they couldn't have done that in three days is quite ridiculous. Now, the, the Prime Minister has offered them longer than that um, to, to get it through Parliament, uh, uh, conditional upon 
having done so, having a general election. I think that's a, that, is a, that is a fair and proper um, demand to make. In terms of um, wanting to get no deal off of off of the table, um, uh, they can get no deal off the table by voting for the deal that's on the table. Uh, it, it is perfectly ridiculous for them to say that they want no deal to take that off the table. They 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 could this would have this would achieve what they wanted to. They could get that deal through Parliament and then have a general election. To to to, to deny that is just being hypocritical. It's very frustrating because we don't want an extension. We didn't want an extension. The Prime Minister made it clear the government didn't want an extension. What we wanted was to get a deal through Parliament. There is no, there is no need nor requirement for an extension. We have a perfectly good deal now. So why would we want an extension to get it through Parliament? We could have got that part that we could have... It could be... It could have already been through Parliament now. Despite it now looking unlikely the UK will leave the EU this week, Operation Brock has been activated on the M20. The contravaloved system between junctions 8 and 9 for Maidstone and Ashford is designed to ease congestion if there's disruption to cross-channel traffic after Brexit. It means HGVs heading to the border are having to travel on the coastbound stretch with a 30 mile per hour speed limit and all other traffics using the London-bound carriageway with a steel barrier separating the two sides. There was disruption for drivers this morning after work to get the motorway ready overran. The leader of Maidstone Council, Martin Cox, is questioning whether Opbrock needed to come into force just yet. I'm sure the people who use the M20 every day, possibly twice a day sometimes, will see this with some confusion. If we're not leaving, why does it have to go in straight away? Um, I understand that it takes three, four days to put it in, but at the moment, aren't we saying that it's definitely not going to happen on the 31st? It would be even better if someone actually made a decision. Roads bosses say they're going to keep Operation Brock under review. We've got details of how it's affecting people's journeys at kentonline.co.uk. Kent Online News. A lorry driver has appeared in court via video link, accused of the manslaughter of 39 people, found dead in a refrigerated trailer in Essex, not far from the Dartford crossing. Maurice Robinson has been remanded in custody until next month when he'll appear at the old Bailey for a further hearing. The 25-year-old from County Armagh has also been charged with conspiracy to traffic people, planning to assist unlawful immigration and money laundering. A grandmother and another woman have been threatened with screwdrivers by three men during a raid on a home in Sittingbourne. At kentonline.co.uk you can see the moment the masked gang searched the property in South Green on Friday night. They made off with cash and jewellery. A Maidstone drug dealer who hid thousands of pounds in clothes at his home has been jailed for more than three and a half years. Rhys Costello was found with heroin and cocaine when police noticed him acting suspiciously in the town last month. More than £13,000 was later found during a search of the 29-year-old's property on Knight Rider Street. And a new nursing academy which allows 
students to learn while they earn has been officially opened in Kent. The courses at Heathside Centre in Coxheath are thought to be the first of their kind to be hosted within a community NHS trust. It's combining work-based and academic learning with a job as a healthcare assistant. Kent Online Sport. Football and Gillingham have secured their first win in four League One games after beating Accrington Stanley 1-0. They made the long trip north on Saturday and came away with all three points. Jules boss Steve Evans gave us his reaction to the match. Honest, wasn't it? You know, goalkeepers did a couple of good saves. Um, I think first half they're better than us. And they're better than us because the summers have, have not turned up really and wanted to do all the things that we that we pride ourselves in as a management team, working hard and being disciplined, having a real shape. So we had a we had a word at half time, didn't need to shout at them, they knew as they walked in. We changed things, we changed the shape of the team. I think that got us in the ascendancy. Um, we got the goal through some great play. Three, four passes, great finish with Reagan. And um, and then you know, the game goes end to end, didn't it? You know, where they could have scored and Jack made a, a save or two, but but equally, I don't, I don't know why we're not given a penalty kick. I don't know why we're not given a penalty. It was identical to Shrewsbury last week, where he's just, Alex Jakubiak's just taken out in, in, in the box and it's not given. That would have killed it and made it easier, but we don't care. So this is a tough, it's a tough place to come. John Coleman and Jimmy Bell were, listen, I don't need to say any more about the job they've done. It's wonders. I'm the chairman. And um, so it's a good win for us. Yeah, I think some of these saves today were, were top class. Um, I think the goalkeeper as well has made one or two smart saves as well. So, uh, but Jack's made two or three saves at the right time. And John will be disappointed they've not taken advantage of them. But I suppose the goalkeeper makes the makes a name for himself by producing that. I just said to him at the end, he's deserved a clean sheet for a, for a week or two. And poor defending in front of him has not allowed him to get that. But he did well today, but he's, he's or the ten in front of him did very well as well. One of them being Mark Byrne, who made his 150th appearance for the club today, returning from suspension, and he did what Mark Byrne does, a fantastic midfield display. Yeah, he was box-to-box, full of energy. I think the three of them, I think Alfie and Stuart as well, we weren't the most fluent in midfield today, but you have to match the energy that these have got. These have got, these have got an excellent four across the middle, especially in Clark and, and the other boy, McConville. They're exceptional, and I've said that many times, but the two boys in the middle... Finning Keneally, is it? They're, they're, they're very good. I've seen them in midweek, I've seen them last week. They're very good. So, you know, but when you go toe to toe with them, I think the difference is when, when, we, when we got on top in that second half, you know, we got the goal and, and probably should have got a second. Just finally, from me, it's the first away win of the season. We talked about ticking a few boxes a few games ago. You tick one today. You must be a, a very happy man. Well, you could never tell in football. I had eight at this time last season and a club record at Peterborough. But, um, so you can never tell what football bestows on you, but you know and I know some of your away performances have been very good. There's been too many draws, too many draws, I think. Is it five or six draws? So too many. I think five, yeah. And, and probably 90% of those games, we, there's no dispute that we should win the game. But we've come to a difficult place. We go back on the training ground on Monday, we'll make the long journey home. Thanks to every Jelling fan who's made the journey up. Horrendous conditions are all around the country. Over 200 yesterday. today. Yeah, incredible. You know, and... Uh, you can see what it meant to every one of them as, as we come off. And this is this is a tough place to come. This is as tough as most in the league, if not the toughest. Well, I would assume you've got a lot of young listeners and you've got a lot of lady listeners, so I couldn't repeat what was said. But it, it wasn't very nice. But it wasn't a bit shouting and bowling. We just didn't turn up and walk hard and be disciplined and we didn't have a shape and we looked, for us, we looked unorganised. And that's not been us away from home. We've been good. But we... We wrote it back up for them. We calmly went through it with them, and we said, "This is this is how we need to affect the game. This is how we need to have a passage of play to, to free up Reagan in good areas." 
and the boys just the boys were hugging me at the end, including the captain, were saying, "Well, that was the difference. We had that passage of playing for Reagan, and he and he finished it. You know, we've had to rely on a goalkeeper today. We with two or three smart saves." But I'm fed up watching other goalkeepers against us make those saves, so I'm pleased. The result means Gillingham have now climbed to 15th in the table. And in ice hockey, it was a mixed weekend for Kent's Invicta Dynamos. After beating Milton Keynes Thunder 4-2 away from home on Saturday, they lost 6-4 to Chelmsford Chieftains at the ice rink in Gillingham last night. The Moves are now 6th in the South Division 1 table. That's it for now, but for more news throughout the day, you can head to kentonline.co.uk. UK. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.